From the window, she looked out. Through the window, she watched for his return, saying, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why don't we hear the sound of chariot wheels? Judges, 528, NLT. Do dead people wear shoes? In the casket, I mean. Seems a waste. Then again, no outfit is complete without the shoes. My thoughts pound up the stairs, down the hall, and into the master bedroom closet. Greg's gray suit is clean, I think. White shirt. Although that won't allow much color contrast and won't do a thing for Greg's skin tones. His red tie with the silver threads? Good choice. Shoes or no shoes? I should know this. I've stroked the porcelain-cold cheeks of several embalmed loved ones, my father and grandfather, two grandmothers, one too young to die, one too old not to, and Lacey. The Baxter Street mortuary will not touch my husband's body should the need arise. They got Lacey's hair and facial expression all wrong. I rise from the couch and part the shears on the front window one more time. Still quiet. No lights on the street. No jeep pulling into our driveway. I'll give him one more hour, then I'm heading for bed. With or without him. Shoes? Yes or no? I'm familiar with the casket protocol for children. But for adults? Grandma Clarendon hadn't worn shoes for twelve years or more when she died. She preferred open-toed terry cloth slippers. Day and night. Home. Uptown. Church. Seems to me she took comfort to the extreme, or maybe she figured God ought to be grateful she showed up in his house at all, given her distaste for his indiscriminate dispersal of the death angel among her friends and siblings. Ain't a lick of pride in outliving your brothers and sisters, Libby. She said it often enough that I can pull off a believable impression. Nobody at the local comedy club need fear me as competition but the cousins get a kick out of it at family reunions. Leaning on the tile and cast-iron coffee table, I crane everything in me to look at the wall clock in the entry. Almost four in the morning? I haven't even decided who will sing special music at Greg's memorial service. Don't most women plan their husband's funeral if he's more than a few minutes late? In the past, before this hour... I'm mentally two weeks behind the service, trying to decide whether to keep the house or move to a condo downtown. He's never been this late before, and he's never been alone in the wilderness. A lightning bolt of something. Fear? Anticipation? Pain? Ripples my skin and exits through the soles of my feet. The funeral plans no longer seem a semi-morbid way to occupy my mind while I wait for the lights of his jeep. Not pointless imaginings, but preparation. That sounds like a thought I should command to flee in the name of Jesus or some other holy incantation, but it stares at me with narrowed eyes as if to say, I dare you. Greg will give me grief over this when he gets home. You worry too much, Libby. So I was a little late. He'll pinch my love handles, which I won't find endearing. Okay, a lot late. Sometimes the wind whips up the waves on the larger lakes. We voyagers have two choices, 
risk swamping the canoe so we can get home to our precious wives, or find a sheltered spot on an island and stay put until the wind dies down. I never liked how he used the word precious in that context. I should tell him so. I should tell him a lot of things. And I will. If he ever comes home. With sleep-deprived eyes, I trace the last ticks of the second hand. Seven o'clock. Too early to call Frank? Not likely. I reach to punch the MEM two-key sequence on the phone. Missed the first time. Try again. One ring. Two. Three. If the answering machine kicks in, Frank's Frank's, frankly the best in all of Franklin County. Frank speaking, how can I help you? I bite back a retort. How does a retired grocery manager get away with that much corny consistently? One thing is still normal.